Well, we're winding up summer. We're, in a little bit, we're going to say some prayers of blessing on our teachers and students and things. Summer's coming to an end. I hope that many of you, most of you, maybe hopefully all of you got some time away, some vacation time. But if you're like me, uh, your vacation might have been a little bit of work. I've got teenage twin boys, and when the vacation was over, I was like, I need a vacation from the vacation. <laughs> and some of you, I know, are at the end of the summer, and you're thinking, I should be rested. And you're like, yeah, no, it's not really happening. What I'd like to do this morning, though, is to kind of pause and to try to do a vacation in this space this morning. And um, it, we're not going to go, I don't have a chartered plane or anything, we're not going anywhere. But what I want is, to, uh, is to, for us to have a bit of an internal vacation during this, these next few minutes and to really kind of go to a deeper place in our souls to try to find rest and, um, and to really just relax in this space. So join me with, with me on this journey. But I want to begin by suggesting that sometimes the reason that we feel worn out or we don't get rested is because we get preoccupied and spend lots of energy on other things in life. And we've talked about some of these in the last couple of weeks, but we sometimes stop and think about all the things that we don't have that we really can't have, but we want. And we spend lots of energy on that. Or we spend lots of energy on uh, just going all the time and not being able to stop and, and to really rest. Or we spend energy trying to figure out which way to go and trying to figure out what our uh, direction is. Or we spend energy worrying or being fearful about the stuff that's coming. And right along with that, we end up spending time worrying or thinking about what the future holds for us. And I wanted today, I want to kind of look at those, but I, the way I want to do this is I want to go to what is considered the uh, favorite psalm of everyone in the United States. And Bible Gateway, if you've used that website, that be a great place to look up passages, they say this is the fourth most popular passage that people look up. Psalm 23. The Jewish tradition loves it. The Christians love it all over the camp. We hear it at weddings. We hear it at funerals. We hear it all over the place. But I don't know how much we've ever stopped to think about how much like, really good rest there is in Psalm 23. And that's what I want to do this morning. And, and the truth is, if I really get motivated and give a great sermon, you may think, oh, well, that was interesting. But if you will engage it and do it, like, like not just hear about it, but do this stuff. In the next little bit, I think you will find a vacation for your soul. I think you will find rest today in here now if you don't just listen, but if you do. And that's where I'm hoping that we'll do. And we'll kind of, kind of engage this stuff. And the very first part of this, um, we're, there's six verses in there. I want to look at all six verses in a fairly um, fast clip, but more on this first one, right? Because we've talked about this the last two weeks, but... We live in a time and place where so oftentimes we get hung up on all the stuff that we want. And uh, we think about, oh, I need this, I want that, or whatever it is. And this passage speaks right into it from the start. It says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. And, you know, we can get obsessed with all these things that we want. And I said, we've talked about the, the last couple of weeks. And I told you all last week, I had a friend of mine that said I should do a four-week sermon series on it because I'm in Dallas. He's poking at us a little bit. He lives somewhere else. But, uh, but we, we can get caught up in, in this stuff, right? And we can get, I think, as I've said the last couple of weeks, when we pause and we really think deeply, we know this stuff isn't going to satisfy us. But we get into that 
place where we want it or we get in that place where we're busy comparing. You know, we think our house is good enough until we see somebody else's house or we think our car is good enough until we see something else or our job's good enough or our relationship's good enough until we start comparing and we get to this, this other place. But we know deep down that stuff is never going to satisfy us. It's never going to go there. You can sit and hope and wish and do all that stuff, but it's not ultimately what's going to satisfy us. And the, the very beginning passage in Psalm 23, I think, gives us an antidote to that. And it's coming back to having confidence in and seeing and committing that the Lord is my shepherd, that I shall not be in want. And there are a couple things in that. Like that will change us if we just take that one verse on board. But there are a couple hard things in it before we get there, right? I mean, it's kind of cool to think about Jesus or God being our shepherd, right? But the implicit part of that, we don't like so much. If he's the shepherd, what's that make us? Sheep. And we're like, nah, you know, I, I can handle being the sheepdog. You get to, you know, you look cool. You get to run around directing everybody and doing all this. But the sheep, they're kind of dumb, you know? We want to be, you know, the Lord of the jungle. We want to be something great. We want to, you know, when people ask you at a party, what's your favorite animal? You're not going to say, well, I'm, I'm a sheep. You know, because they're, they're dumb animals. But I think part of the reason we get this has to go to the fact that sheep are very dependent. And some of y'all are thinking, what does this city slicker know about sheep? <laughs> well, I grew up in a small Texas town, and I raised sheep for the Victoria Livestock Show. A couple years, showed them. And not only that, but when, when I was a little boy, um, some of y'all may have heard this story, but when we were a little boy, one time we went out to West Texas to visit some friends of my dad on their ranch, and we went out there in a camper. And when we got there the first day, we went up over this hill with the rancher, and we came up on his, his flock of sheep. And as we went over the hill, there was a coyote down there attacking them. And the, so the rancher drove the truck up there real fast and, you know, sh shoot off the, the coyote. But sadly, uh, the coyote had already gotten one of the sheep. And it was a mama sheep that was in the process of giving birth. And, and, and she didn't make it. But he ran up on the scene and finished pulling out this lamb. And without talking to my dad, which I love, he turns to my twin brother and me and says, if y'all will feed it by a bottle, you can have it. <laughs> to which we said, oh, we're in on that. <laughs> so we, raised, we, we got this lamb. We went, and got the, we went and got the powdered milk and started feeding it. And if you've ever wondered exactly how creative Father Bob is, along with his twin brother, we named that sheep Ba. <laughs> he knew his name. <laughs> But we raised him, and we took him back to our house, and we bottle-fed him, and he was convinced that he was a dog. We let him in the house. He slept in the bed next to my brother, you know, and then he, and then he grew, and then he, we had, eventually had to put him out in the side yard, and then one day he figured out that while all the other dogs pawed on the window, he could open it with his, with his paw. So he busted it open, and then he had to go to the ranch, and, but I've been around a lot of sheep. So trust me when I tell you, they're dumb. And, and the thing about it, maybe the reason why this image I think is great, if we're willing to go there, is maybe what this passage is trying to emphasize is the dependence. Because the sheep need the shepherd. They need someone to protect them. They need somebody to care for them. They need someone to do all this. And part of what we learn and experience, whether we own it or not at times, is that we are, there's part of us that is made to have a vital relationship with God. That we really 
if you're going to flourish and find rest in your soul, we've got to find this place where we have this vital relationship with God. And we've talked about it before, but St. Augustine used to say, your soul won't rest. You're not going to have a vacation for your soul until it rests in God. And I think it's because of this vital we're made to be this way. We're made to have this relationship and be in this place. And that's the place from which we get creativity. That's the place from which we change the world and live in all these ways. But, there's a, but we're sheep. We're dependent and we, if we go to that place. right? And the other part about this passage that I wonder about is to flip it and read it the other way. Because it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So I wonder when we want, is it because we're not letting God be our shepherd? have our friends become our shepherd? Have, have we become our own shepherd? Like, what have we put in that place other than God such that we have these wants and that we go to this, this other kind of place where we're wanting other things, right? If we want deep rest, I think we take verse 1 and we come back and commit and own and put down that Jesus is our shepherd. God's our shepherd, the one we're going to commit to. That's, that's verse 1. And then we come to the, the second verse of this passage, and we start thinking about finding rest for our souls. And we think about this idea of coming to green pastures. It says in the second verse, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And I wonder on that one, to what extent we have a hard time with green pastures. Like just taking off your shoes and walking in that green grass and just stopping and enjoying that. Because so oftentimes we're so run, run, got to make it better, do it better, achieve the thing, whatever it is, that we run through the field or we get out the lawnmower or we want to make it more green or we do something with it. And just to be able to stop and just rest in that place and that green field and that green pasture, do, can we do that? Because it takes a certain amount of mindfulness, a certain amount of slowing down. And the second part of that passage is the same thing that leads us beside still waters so I'm imagining you know these sheep they want to take a deep drink they want to do it in still water apparently the running water gives them burps or something I don't know they don't want running water and allows them to drink deeply and that's where God wants to lead us right and I wonder how often we pause to drink deeply you know how often do we stop and, and take in what it means to be the beloved of God just drink that in deeply. You're the beloved. That's rest for our souls. To think about God's abundance of love being poured out on us. There's great rest in that place. And then we we start and we head to the third verse that's going to begin to talk about our directions. And there are all kinds of paths that we can go on. And this is part of our challenge and our energy, I think, is we, can, we have all these different paths in life that come our way. Um, and we can go to these different places. When we get on the wrong path, we waste a lot of energy. Because you go down that road long enough and you think, I'm in the wrong place doing something I shouldn't be doing. And we have to do a U-turn and head back the other direction. Or we send, spend all this time. And this passage talks about <coughs> excuse me, us getting onto the right path. He guides me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. He wants us to be in this place where we know His path. And we have righteousness. And, we, and this is a whole other sermon. Eric sometimes jokes me about this when I throw out these sermons we're walking by. But, but how God guides us, right? I mean, I think our, my answer, I will say it this way, is that God does an awful lot of guidance through Scripture. One of the reasons why we read so much Scripture 
why we encourage you to read scripture in your own life, why we spent all last year on God's story, is not necessarily take little tidbits, but to let the whole story breathe over us because it will lead us and guide us. Like, I mean, a whole bunch of direction in our life will come from reading it. Many years ago, I got to lead the School of Theology in London for a while at the church I was at, and we had the Bishop of London come speak. This is an Anglican, an Episcopalian coming to speak, and he told the class, memorize as much scripture as you can, re- as you can remember. Keep memorizing it because the Holy Spirit will use it in you. It'll come to your mind at the right time, and you'll hear stuff, and I think that's true. So, I mean, we're not saying it in some, you know, weird kind of way, like there's an answer for everything and just quote something and not think about it. But the more Scripture breathes in us, the more the Spirit will use it in us. And so I think that's part of the reason we keep coming back to Scripture. I think the Anglican answer is God will also guide us through His holy people. And that's part of the reason why we gather each Sunday to think about God's people and pray in groups and getting together and like that. That's exciting. (laughs) We're here to get you rest. I don't know what, what it was. Um, but I think it's also God's people. And I, of course, as Anglicans, we're happy to say it's also, it's also our brains. God wants us to bring our brains to this whole thing. And all of us at some point in our life have gotten onto the wrong path. And some people in the room are in, on the wrong path today. And the, the great thing about that that we need to say again and again is that God never, ever, ever gives up on us. He wants us to flourish he wants us to bring us to these great places and get on that path. And sometimes, we, again, we've got to come back and just own that we're on the wrong path and we need to turn around. We're trying to sometimes tidy up our lives, tidy up our house, and there's a big old elephant living in it, making messes. And we've got to own that thing at some point, right? And I could list off these different things that sneak into our lives, but some of you know you're trying to ignore that elephant, and we've got, we've got to turn on some of that stuff. Well, that, that's one of the other passages that we have, how God guides us and leads us on these right paths. And when we do that, we find rest. It, we don't eat up all this energy on it. And um, moving to the next passage, I think we spend an awful lot of energy and don't find rest because of fear. We can worry about the next chapter, or the house, the remodel, the whatever, all the different stuff, our job changes, all the different things that come our way. And the fourth verse says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And I've always loved that passage in part because sometimes I feel like um, I go through more valleys than I should. But this passage doesn't say if you go through a valley. It says even though you go through the valley. Everybody's going to go through a valley. We're going to go through lots of valleys. We all go through valleys. We know we live in a world that has suffering. And that's part of our existence. And I think there's a certain amount of peace when you know that. Because um, you're not running around going, oh, is something going to happen? Something's going to happen. And what this passage is saying is when it happens, just part of this rest is just knowing that God is with you in it. And he's going to comfort you in it. Those are two things we get from this passage. My grandmother, um, this was one of the only psalms I think she had committed to memory. But I w- I'll never forget being with her when she had, um, she had cancer and she was going in for surgery. And so we were in the room with her before they w- came to get her out of the room. And she was reciting this passage by memory. And to me, it was such a thing. You know, that was the verses she wanted, even though I'm going through this valley. The whole thing is my shepherd. And it made a real impression on me as a kid. God's with us. He's going to comfort us. The passage says it's with a rod and a staff. 
I think the rod is he's going to protect us, and the staff is he's going to correct us if we let him, you know, if we, as we submit to him. And the rod really is a club because we have enemies, and we live in a world where there's evil. And part of what this is saying is God's not going to let evil win in your life as, as we walk with him. It's not going to happen. Our hearts are not going to be overcome with evil. Our souls are not going to be overcome with evil. He's going to protect us. And along with that, his staff, he's going to lead, his spirit will lead and guide us and, and, and help correct us. Because sometimes the evil that comes in our life is stuff we put there. It's the decisions that we make. And he will, if we submit to him, we hold him as shepherd, he's going to steer us and lead us and help us to see the places that we need correction. And I said we're going to try to do this today rather than just listen. I know that there are people in this room um, this morning who are in valleys. So just stop for a minute. If that's you in a valley, and just think, okay, God's with me. And he wants to comfort me. And just knowing that, I think, leads us a little bit more in a step of a vacation for our souls and gives us a little bit of rest. Well, I'm going to keep moving so we can, uh, so I don't throw us off for lunch. But the, uh, the next passage, we go from there. You know, we've talked about our focus two weeks ago, but where we do with our minds matters. And we talked a couple weeks ago about putting your minds on the things that are above. I think this psalm has a little bit of that in it as well, because we can look at that glass and say half full, half empty. And part of this psalm wants us to see the glass as half full and thinking about our mental life a little bit. So we get to the fifth verse and it says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. So David, this psalm is attributed to David. He's stopping to just say, look how good I've got it. Man, my cup's overflowing, all this stuff. We're just thinking about the, he's focusing on the good stuff right here. He's pausing. And I think part of our rest sometimes is to not, again, run around and think about all the things you don't have. Oh, I don't have this. I don't have that. But to stop and just and, and have gratitude. In the month of October, we're going to do a series on gratitude and how it changes us. But right now, there's this one passage. Gratitude will change you. If you can start every day in your prayer life by saying a few things that you're grateful for, it'll change your whole day. For those of you in committed relationships, if you can start every day thinking about one thing you're grateful for with your partner, it'll change how you see them the whole day. It changes how we view things. And we sometimes think we need stuff to be happy and we don't. And I've said it before, but one of the gifts I've got from doing mission trips into um, countries where they don't have very much stuff is to see the joy they can have in those places. I mean, I remember some of the first trips I went to Honduras where people had nothing and seeing so much joy. And it was really disturbing to the people I was with because, because the, the MO we have here is so much. I got to have stuff to be happy. I got to have stuff to be happy. I got to stuff to be happy. And then you get around these children and these families and the people who have joy and you're thinking they have nothing. Average person in Honduras lives on 800 bucks a year. And they've got all this joy in the places we were at. And it's really disturbing. But it's a reminder it's not about the stuff. Just have gratitude and learning to have joy in the places that we're at. And some of us who think we don't have enough, even going back to some of God's promises and looking at how he lavishes his love and his grace and his mercy fills us up and gives us a reason to, to be grateful. So if we're going to do this sermon, not just listen to it and think, oh, Bob was interesting. If you want to have a rest for your soul, stop right now and think about something you're grateful for. And just say inside your head right now, I'm grateful for this. Ah, that'll give you some rest. Well, there's a, a final passage we want to look at um, on this, and it's, 
as we head into the, the sixth verse of uh, the 23rd Psalm, we begin to think about the future and how the future can wind us up. And this passage is going to talk about all our days and forever kind of stuff as we lean into the future. And it says, Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of my life, goodness and love will follow me. And it's one of those passages you memorize, and, and on a day when you don't think it's there, it's there. It doesn't say, well, most of the days you have goodness and love. It's all the days, even when we don't feel it. It's kind of like sacraments in the church. Even on days you don't think there's anything special going on, there is. It's, it's a guarantee. His goodness and love are with us in that place. And then the very final part of that, the forever piece, as we head into the home stretch of life, I mean, lots of us don't want to think about it or we're not going there. This, this whole 23rd Psalm ends, I think, with, with, with a word of peace about the whole entire future, that, that we get to this place of thinking about forever. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We walk with God. We're not sitting around fretting about ultimate things because God's telling us that he's marked us for life. We're his own forever. That we're his beloved walking in that way. And it matters, I think, the closer you get. The other day I read uh, an interview towards the end of his life with, with Billy Graham. And Billy Graham uh, was saying this at the end of his life. He says, the older I get, the more important the eternal becomes in my, in my personal life, this final part of Psalm 23, that it matters more and more. My, my hope this morning is that you found some rest in this, some, a little bit of vacay um, as we walk through the 23rd Psalm. I would challenge you and encourage you this week to post the 23rd Psalm somewhere in your house, like look at it while you're brushing your teeth. See if it doesn't give you some more peace. See if it doesn't just give you more peace today. But we're heading into the fall, which to me is the busiest time of the year with all the stuff that's going on. And let's just carry this vacation with us into all the activity of the fall and let our souls breathe deeply. Let's pray.